Endowments and foundations are some of the most consistent investors in private equity. They often have some of the highest allocations to the asset class, but have the challenges that private equity has faced over the last 12 months dented their appetite? What are some of these investors thinking about when it comes to their private equity portfolios? I'm Adam Lay, a senior editor at PEI Group based in London, and welcome to the latest episode of Spotlight, a podcast that delves into the very latest in private markets investing. I recently caught up with Jill Shaw, a managing director at Cambridge Associates. Cambridge Associates is one of the best-known consultancy firms in private markets, and Shaw is probably one of the best-known advisors when it comes to endowments and foundations private markets portfolios. Today, she mainly works with foundations and endowments who hire Cambridge Associates to be their outsourced investment office, and who give Shaw and her team investment decision-making authority. What I really do is build and manage the private investment allocations for the institutions that I work with. That starts with setting the right target allocation based on the liquidity needs and the, the risk tolerance of the individual institution, and then determining the right commitment pace that will allow me to grow and ultimately settle at that target over the long term. Shaw typically spends half her day speaking with investment managers to get a sense of their fundraising plans and how they're thinking about investing new capital, the exit environment, and generally building up market intel. She spends the other part of her day focusing on institutional investors she works with. Don't get me wrong, not all endowments and foundations have ludicrously high allocations to private equity and private markets. Shaw says that it really depends on the risk tolerance of the institution and, in some cases, their knowledge about private investments. Some have zero, while others start at 10%. And of course, others have even 40% or north of 40%. She focuses on endowments and foundations, whose average allocations to private equity rose by more than any other investor type in the first half of last year to around 17% of portfolios, according to Private Equity International data. According to Shaw, some institutions are looking at the value-add components of their 2023 returns and seeing a big negative for private investments, as private markets' performance hasn't recovered in the same way public market equities have. And so, you know, it's a very interesting dynamic that you really need to understand as an investor. And without that understanding of how your specific private portfolio is expected to behave in a period of volatile public markets, you might be tempted to react and respond in a way that, that isn't conducive to generating long-term returns. And so where we're really focused with our clients is on you know, making sure they have this, this long-term view, make sure they understand the dynamics of why 2022 looked the way it did and therefore why 2023 looks the way it does. Because the last thing that, that we want our clients to do is to pull back. Pulling back could come in the form of unnecessarily selling off exposure on the secondaries market, or pulling back on committing to fund vintages that may turn out to be excellent vintages, or reducing allocation targets at a whim, according to Shaw. She adds that during the 2008 to 2009 global financial crisis, a lot of institutional investors ended up missing out on some of the strongest vintage years for investing. Her advice is unequivocal. Don't put the brakes on at a period of time that might prove to be, you know, sort of the worst move you can make. Let's talk about secondaries for a second. This refers to selling private markets exposure on the secondaries market, and this is a market that has seen roughly 100 billion to 130 billion of trading annually in recent years. Shaw says that using the secondaries market can be quite productive for investors who have a legacy portfolio that they want to pare down. But there are often administrative burdens, she warns, and there might not be a lot of upside left for buyers, meaning it's more of a tidying up exercise for the selling investor. Still, selling off exposure should always be something an investor should consider. I would argue that 
you should always be looking for those types of opportunities, even in an environment where you might find yourself over allocated because of market dynamics at a given time. One of the most pressing issues that Shaw discusses with her clients is preparing for the M&A and IPO markets reopening. Investors may have been overallocated to private markets in 2023, but at some point the tables are going to turn and an investor may find themselves underallocated. Part of the overallocation that we're experiencing today is, is certainly due to lower total asset values, lower global equity values. But it's also a function of private investments, by and large, performing quite well and holding their value. And because they've held their value, that NAV, that market value we would expect to have been distributed based on how old the investments are, where they are in their life cycle in you know, sort of the 2023 year and the 2024 year, because the IPO market is essentially shut, there, there's certainly some M&A going on, but, but not to the extent that it was you know, in, in, in previous years, that value is all sitting in NAV. And when the public markets reopen, when the M&A markets start to tick up again, you'll see that pent-up NAV come out in distributions, likely over a shorter period of time. And so that's when you're going to see that overall allocation drop. And none of us have a crystal ball to know when exactly that's going to happen. But laying that out for the groups that we work with to show, you know, this this will happen eventually. And so here's how you should be planning for your investment today based on knowing that that's going to happen likely in the next, you know, three, four, five years. Again, just keeping your eye on that long-term ball. According to PEI's LP Perspective Survey 2024, which you can find on the homepage of privateequityinternational.com, the average allocation to private equity for foundations and endowments has risen over the past year by a greater proportion than any other institutional investor type. It was, on average, almost 17%, and this is almost a 2.4 percentage point increase, whereas other institutions had just a 1.3 percentage point increase. For these investors, there's a range of hot topic investment strategies that they can commit to, with GP stakes, sports investing, and nav lending some of the hottest areas in 2023 and in 2024. What's the strategy Shaw's clients are most interested in? Surprise, surprise. It's private credit. And I think, you know, many of the clients that we work with, certainly some of the very large pension funds, have a dedicated allocation to private and credit and have for many, many years. I think the opportunity set in private credit is certainly a lot better than it has been over the past, you know, five, 10 years or so. That said, I'm not doing much of that in my portfolios. The reason for this, Shaw says, is that she tends to build fairly concentrated portfolios for her clients, and she balances out her private markets investments with public equities. And so if I'm going to lock up capital in an illiquid structure, I'm doing so to drive really strong returns, returns that are stronger than I think I can get in public markets. And so when I look at the private credit market, which is certainly quite attractive today, but the returns we're talking about are in the you know 10 to maybe 12% range, that's not compelling when I stack that up against the buyouts opportunities I'm looking at and the venture and the growth equity opportunities I'm looking at. Shaw says there are three pieces of advice you'd give an endowment or foundation who might be looking to add private equity to their portfolio. Being a long-term investor is the first place to start. That won't come as a surprise to most listeners. Shaw's other piece of advice is to look at things from a more 100-foot view. Focus on areas for investment that have tailwinds. So manager selection is absolutely critically important, but if you are investing behind a great manager, 
that's operating a space that's very reliant on leverage, that is priced, you know, in the current environment at, at, you know, with very, very high prices. Think, you know, late stage venture over the last handful of years. It's going to be a tough slog. So focus on the areas of the market that have tailwinds where there's, you know, small cap buyouts, early stage venture. Innovation continues as long as you can deal with the long tail. The last is manager selection, an oldie but a goodie. Make sure the manager you're investing with does what they say they're going to do from a strategy perspective and, crucially, follows through on how they're going to add value. Private investments are not about making the right valuation call. It's really where the biggest value is driven is by managers that can bring value to their businesses. Um, You know, BIOS is a great example. If you're buying a, a small cap manufacturing business, are you bringing operating resources to bear to help professionalize that business and, and grow revenue, grow EBITDA, build value beyond financial engineering? Because the dynamics around financial engineering change as we see every day. And so if you're building value to truly help grow those businesses, you're going to generate good returns. So if you invest behind good strategies, compelling strategies, and if you invest behind managers, they can actually truly add value to the companies they're investing with, you're going to do okay. You're going to do well. I might add a fourth piece of advice, which would be to subscribe to a private markets-focused news and data insight publication that also happens to put out podcasts about the latest topics in private markets investing. But hey, what do I know? That's all for this installment. If you like what you've heard today, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or listen to any of PEI Group's various titles online. I'm Adam Lay. Thanks for listening.